0: has gotten into you? That's the direct question Dr. J. Bernard McGee says the Apostle Paul is asking the church in Galatians chapter 3. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz. And in our last study, we heard Paul remind the Galatians that they were saved by their faith and only their faith, not by the law. Today, Dr. McGee takes us back to the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. It's a great study, one that you're going to really appreciate. So go ahead and hop aboard the Bible bus and let's get going and while we get started I want to share a couple of letters from our fellow passengers first We've got an email from a friend named Amanda I used to listen to dr. J. Vernon McGee as I drove to work many years ago His voice was like a sweet grandfather teaching the word of God in kindness and love to those who were listening As a young adult, I appreciated his sincerity and obvious love for the Lord. His ministry has been a blessing to me for many years, teaching me different lessons at different stages of my Christian growth. Thank you for keeping it available for the next generation. It is so needed. Well, thanks for your note, Amanda. We're glad to see that you're still on the Bible bus with us. Now, next we hear from Jason in Hudsonville, Michigan. I enjoy using the app. My favorite feature is the scripture section. I have been in the habit of studying each of the books of the Bible chapter by chapter for many years. And by the way, Jason, that's a great way to do it. And now I listen to each of Dr. McGee's lessons along with my own reading and studying, he continues. For whatever book I am in at that time, I can't tell you how helpful that has been. The scripture section allows me to go to the book I'm studying whenever I want. I love it. I've been a Bible bus writer for over 20 years and pray that God blesses the ministry of through the Bible until Jesus Christ returns. Well, amen to that. Thanks, Jason. And we're glad to hear from you. And what about you? How do you listen to Through the Bible? And really more importantly, what is God teaching you as we study His Word together? Are you seeing Jesus in a different way as you learn more about Him? Is your faith increasing as you hear Paul simply and passionately talk to those fickle Galatians? Well, tell us your story, won't you? You can send a quick note by email to BibleBus at ttb.org or mail your note to Through the Bible, Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. Or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. You can also call and leave us a message at 1-800-65-BIBLE. We'd love to hear your voice, and maybe we'll even be able to share your thoughts with our fellow listeners on the program. So pick up the phone and go ahead and give us a call and give it a shot. Again, that's 1-800-65-BIBLE. It really is such an encouragement to hear how God's working in your life, so please get in touch with us today. Now let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, Would you make your word shine in the darkness and then open the eyes of those that are blind and shed light on those areas where you're ready to work in our lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's open to Galatians 3 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now Paul
1: is in this section that we've labeled doctrinal. The subject is justification by faith with the emphasis in this epistle on faith. And you will note that last time, in fact, the last two times in this doctrinal section, we saw the doctrine stated. And then in this third chapter, in the first five verses, justification by faith, the experience of the Galatians. And Paul asks six questions of the Galatians. And he says to them, and the reason he asks the questions, he could say, you are foolish. What has gotten into you? And he makes it very clear in this section. He mentions the Holy Spirit three times that they did not receive the Holy Spirit by the law. And the Holy Spirit is evidence of conversion. We are told in Romans 8, 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, and he says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And that is the evidence. Again, Paul said in Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the Word of truth, the Gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That is Ephesians 1.13. Now, the thing that's important here to see is that the gospel is true irrespective of the experience of the Galatians or anyone else. The gospel is objective. That is, it has to do with what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Now, experience will corroborate the gospel, and Paul is doing that here. He says, now, you came to Christ, And the Spirit of God regenerated you? Now he says, I want to know, did that happen by law or did it happen by faith in Christ? That is, I think, something very important for us to nail down. Now, the point here is, were they mistaken in that which gave to them the Holy Spirit? For he says, verse 4, "...have ye suffered so many things in vain, that is, without a purpose." if it be yet in vain, if it was even yet still without a purpose. In other words, were you mistaken? And, of course, they would be quick to say they were not. Now, he raises this question here, and I think we should look at it again as we went over it so hurriedly. In verse 5, he says, "...he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you." Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, you will recall that Paul's apostleship was attacked by the Judaizers. They said he's a Johnny-come-lately apostle, not one of the original twelve. He wasn't with the Lord Jesus during that period. He came along later, and they made an attack upon his apostleship. Now, he's going right back to that here For he was the one that came into that country, preached the word of God to them, and as he says here, he performed miracles. He worked miracles among them. And he didn't do it by the works of the law. Paul would be very careful to say that. But it came about by the hearing of faith. He preached the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who died for them, who was raised again, and they are to put their faith in him. And when they did, the miraculous thing took place. They were regenerated, and Paul had the evidence of an apostle. You see, in that day, there were signs that were given to the apostles. I take it that the apostles had practically all the gifts that are mentioned in the Scripture. They had certainly all the signed gifts. Paul could perform miracles. Paul could heal the sick. Paul could raise the dead. Simon Peter did all of that also. And that was the mark of an apostle in that day. Now, the apostles have given to us today the Word of God. You and I have a faith today that we're told that's built upon Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, but it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Not upon the apostles, but upon the foundation of which they laid. Now, that rested upon their testimony. And that which gave credence to their word was that they had the sign gifts. Now, after they've given us the word here, then the sign gifts disappear. In fact, they disappeared, I think, with the apostles. And there were other reasons why those gifts were in evidence, which we took up when we were in 1 Corinthians. But the important thing for us to note here is that Paul came there not as a Pharisee preaching the law, but preaching Jesus Christ. And that was something that they had experienced. They knew that, and Paul rests upon that. Now we come to another section of justification by faith. We have now the illustration of Abraham. And this is that which looms very large, as you can see in this epistle. It begins here with this third chapter, verse 6, and it goes all the way down into the fourth chapter, verse 18. And then we have the illustration, which is an allegory of Hagar and Sarah. And that takes us all the way through the fourth chapter. So actually, the very heart and bulk of this epistle, and we've come now to the high water mark, Abraham will be the illustration that will be given to us. Now will you notice verse 6 he says even as abraham believed god and it was counted to him for righteousness now that is a quotation from genesis 15:6 and it's been a long time since we've been back in genesis 15:6 that is the illustration and in view of the fact that we haven't been back there in over two years now, about two and a half years. I think it's about time for us to review just a little in our Through the Bible program and go back and see this illustration. And I think that we should make it very clear. This illustration comes from the early part of the life of Abraham, his life of faith. And the quotation is from Genesis 15:6, which says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, this is a quotation that you find here. You find it in Romans 4, 3 also. This is an illustration that Paul uses in the epistle to the Romans and in the epistle to the Galatians. And Abraham is the great illustration of justification by faith. You can't say that Abraham was justified by law. For the law was not given until 400 years after Abraham. So don't tell me that Abraham was justified by law. And don't tell me that he was justified by circumcision, because he was justified before circumcision was given to him. It became the badge and the evidence just as Today, baptism is a believer's baptism. It's not to save you. It's to give evidence that you are saved. And that was the purpose of circumcision. And so it made no contribution to salvation. Now, Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, this took place after Abraham came back from Egypt. He and Lot were separated, and Lot went down the city of Sodom. And the first war is recorded in the 14th chapter of Genesis when the kings from the east came against the kings along the Dead Sea. And the kings from the east under Shado, they were the ones who won the battle and they were taking all of the booty as well as the people away, apparently into slavery. And, of course, in that group, there was this man, Lot, and his family. Well, he was a nephew of Abraham, and Abraham is not going to stand by and do nothing. So Abram when word was brought to him that his nephew was taken captive, why, he immediately got ready for war. And we're told that he armed 318 men in his own household. And he made a very rapid march and overtook these enemies that were leaving with Lot and the rest of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he made a surprise attack, won the battle. And then the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah said to him, Now look, according to the code then of Hammurabi of that day, the booty would belong to Abraham. He was the winner. And they told him, they said, Now you take the booty, it's yours, but give us the people. In fact, Abraham didn't have to give the people. He could have taken them in slavery, but he wasn't about to do that. And so Abraham wasn't about to take the booty either. He said, you couldn't give me a shoestring or a piece of thread. Now, that's getting it down to a pretty small item. He said, I'd want nothing from you. And that was a noble gesture on his part. In other words, he's saying, if I get rich, God will make me rich. I look to God, not to you. I wish we as believers today walked by faith like that. But this man Abraham, then after he had made this very noble gesture, God appeared to him. Every time Abraham moved up to the light he had, why, God would appear to him again. And I think that's the reason that so many church members today know so little about the Bible, because I don't think God reveals light to us until we live up to it. And that's the reason that you can be a Bible teacher today and go to seed. And there are quite a few that don't want to do anything but argue. I get letters from different individuals across the country. They want to carry on a controversy with me. Well, I don't have time for it. I'm not busy in that. I'm not interested in it, by the way. But it reveals the fact that they've seized on some little technicality or some little doctrine, and some are right and some are wrong. They want to argue about it. God doesn't want us to do that. He's given us the Word for us to grow, and when we begin to grow, then He'll reveal more to us. In other words, He's not given us a T-bone steak or porterhouse steak or a filet mignon until you and I get off the bottle. There are too many of us today that are bottle babies. Spiritually, we... Just take milk, and that's all we have, and then we burp all over the place. You find a great many people, the great areas of the Scripture. When it's taught to them, my, they get all worked up because they'd never heard that before, and they can't accept it. It never come to their attention. May I say God wants us to grow up. Now, Abraham's growing up, and you just feel like shouting when he tells these kings, you're not giving me a shoestring or piece of thread. Then God appeared to him. Chapter 15, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, what he said to Abram is this, Abraham, I protected you in that war. I'm your shield, and I'm your exceeding great reward. You did right in turning down the booty, because I will bless you. And you did right looking to me. Now, Abraham's a practical sort of an individual. He's not super pious. He didn't start running around saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, and have nothing to show for it. He began to talk to the Lord rather straight. And I think the Lord wants us to do that, friend. I'm afraid too many of us are super-duper saints that are very pious, you see, I know sometimes somebody will say, Oh, I'm reconciled when something happens to them. Oh, I accept this from the Lord. Well, they haven't accepted it at all. They're really in rebellion. Well, if you're in rebellion, why don't you go and tell him about it? Tell him how you feel. Tell him you think that he gave you a rough deal. You'll find that Moses went to the Lord on that basis. And by the way, Abraham is coming just that way. Listen to him. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And you see, the one born in his house, he didn't have an heir. The chief steward, that would be the individual to inherit. That was also in the code of Hammurabi of that day. And so Abram said, well, I don't have a child. You told me I would. Listen to him, verse 3. And Abram said, behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. That's a code of ham, you It'd have to be followed. You know, the Lord likes for us to deal with him like that. The Lord says, I'm glad you brought that up, Abraham. Been wanting to tell you something. And listen, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. God says, Abraham, you don't need to worry. Eliezer's son's not going to inherit. You're going to have a son. Now, verse 5, he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. God had told him before his seed would be as numberless as the sand on the seashore. Now he tells him to look toward heaven. It must have been night. God took him by the hand and said, Look up now. Abraham, And we're told that in that section, with the naked eye, you can see about 5,000 stars. I'm also told if you'd put a 16-inch telescope on it, you'd see 50,000 stars. And I don't know what you'd see if you put the 100-inch or the 200-inch telescope on it. But be that as it may, I don't think any telescope could give you the exact number of stars that you could see at that time looking up. Now, Abraham, you can't count the stars. You won't be able to count your offspring. And you know what Abraham did? Verse 6, he believed in the Lord. And it's very expressive here. It really means this. Abraham said, Amen to the Lord. God says, I'm going to do it. And Abraham says, Amen. God says to you and me, I gave my son to die for you. If you believe on him, you won't perish. You'll have everlasting life. Will you say Amen to that? Will you believe God? Will you accept it? That's what it means. That's justification by faith. He believed in the Lord. He believed God, and when he believed God, God at that moment declared him righteous. By what? His works? No. His works were imperfect. He didn't have perfection to offer God. And we're going to see how Paul will develop that a little later on. But Abraham didn't have perfection. But now he does because his faith is counted for righteousness. That is justification. He stands justified before God. Now, Abraham said to the Lord, Would you mind putting that in writing? Now, somebody says, Well, I've read my Bible back in Genesis, and I don't remember it saying that. Well, it does. Verse 7, he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land who inherit it. And he said, listen to Abraham now. He's talking back to the Lord. He's not one of these, you know, super pious saints. He said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? In other words, put it in writing. And you know what the Lord said? The Lord said, well, I tell you, meet me down at the courthouse and I'll put it in writing. Now, somebody said, wait a minute, doesn't say that. But it does, friends. Verse 9 he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-go to three years old, and a ram three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, that's the way they made contracts in that day. That's the way that it was done. In fact, that's the way Jeremiah tells us about the contracts that were made in his day. And if you turn over, and I didn't intend to do this, but I guess I ought to, Jeremiah thirty-four eighteen says, And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant which they had made before me when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. In other words, when they made a contract in that day, two men agreed. One man agreed to do something, the other man agreed to do something in turn, they had Put the sacrifice, a half on this side, a half on the other side. They would take hands and walk between. And that sealed the contract. That's what means going before notary friends down at the courthouse. Now, the thing that Abraham did, he got the sacrifices ready. It's rather picturesque. Verse 10, "...he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst, laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not." Now Abraham's waiting. What happened? Well, the fowls came down upon the carcasses. Abraham drove them away. God was late getting there. He didn't get there until sundown. And then what happened? Well, we're told that a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. You know why? Because Abraham's not going to go through. You know why? Abraham's not going to promise anything. God's doing the promising. Friends, 1,900 years ago, Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sins and my sins. And he's not asking you to say your prayers to get saved or be a nice little Sunday school boy. He's asking you to trust his son that died for you. He made the contract. He's the one that went through. And he's the one that's made the promise, the covenant that he'll save you. And that's the new covenant for us. This is the old covenant he made with Abraham. And you know what? Abraham believed God. (laughs) And what? He just said, Amen to God. And God made it good to him. Because you see, Abraham, if it depended on Abraham saying his prayers every night, you know he might miss one night. And if he missed one night, the promises are no good. But you see, God is the one that's doing the promises here. So back in Galatians, what do we have? Well, Abraham believed in the Lord. And it was counted to him for righteousness. What a glorious, wonderful picture this is that we have. Now he says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. God did this for Abraham before the law was ever given. He didn't make it to him because of works. He told Abraham, I'll do this for you if you believe me. And Abraham says, I believe you. (laughs) I believe you. Oh, God today wants your faith to rest on a solid foundation. But my friend, if you're going to come to him, you're going to come to him by faith. That is, he's come to the door of your heart, and he can't come any farther than that. He won't knock it down. He'll knock there and say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, if you let him in, he'll save you, and you can only open the door by faith, my friend. Well, we'll have to leave off there. This is very important section, as you can see, and we'll pick up there next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved.
0: If God is knocking at the door of your heart, and you want to know more about how you can respond to Him in faith, then visit ttb.org and click on the banner that says, How Can I Know God? There you'll find several free resources that we've set aside just for you that explain what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Or if you'd prefer to receive a few of these resources by mail, please call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. You know, there's so much more ahead in our study of Galatians. And I'll save you a seat on the Bible bus. I'll meet you right back here next time as we continue together making our way through the Bible.
1: Jesus made it all, all, to Him I
0: own Sin had left the crimson's sin, He washed it white as snow. Our story on the Bible Bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story too?